Good morning, everybody. My name is John. I am so glad you're here because today we're starting a brand new series called Relationships Under Pressure. We got pressure at home. We got pressure at work. We got pressure everywhere. Whether you've been going to church your entire life or today is the first day ever, ever, ever you're participating in a church service, we are thrilled that you are here. Now, I want to start today's message by introducing you to a special group of people. Hey, Grace Live. This is a group of amazing young professionals from Grace Community Church. They are so awesome. They're the, they're the chosen ones. Actually, all of these on this Zoom have been highly recommended to speak for the many young professionals that are in this city. And so I just can't wait to hear what they have to say. They're going to introduce themselves, tell us where they're from, and what brought them to this great city. Melanie, you're going to kick us off. Sure. I'm Melanie Ferguson. Um, I was born outside of Chicago, moved to Stafford, Virginia, then a little stint in Italy, um, Iowa, France, and then finally moved to Arlington about two years ago, um, where I found Grace and I've been attending since. And like almost everybody else, I came here for work. <laughs> wow. And I am Marissa. I am her younger sister, so also have moved all over. And I kind of like to follow my big sister around. So I moved from Iowa to the D.C. area a year after she did because um, I really just needed a change of pace and I thought she'd be a wonderful roommate and someone I look up to. That's great. <laughs> I am Amea. Uh, I grew up in India, uh, came to Chicago for graduate school. After that, lived in New York City, uh, Indianapolis in between, and then moved to Washington, D.C. in 2014. Been here since then. Uh, moved to D.C. to be close to my friends and family and got involved in Grace uh, in 2017 and been here since then. Great. Thank you, man. I'm Brendan O'Connor. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and then went to college at, in University of Maryland down the street in College Park, and uh, haven't really left D.C. since then. Found a job in the area and uh, haven't, haven't found a reason to leave. So, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Ana Maya. I'm from Brazil, and I moved here because I wanted a change of scenario. And what's a better change than moving to another country? <laughs> That's great. Well, each week during this series, we're going to talk to a different group of people, and we're going to talk about what is the major pressure point that that group is experiencing. Melanie, you're going to help us understand what is the major pressure point that young professionals in Washington, D.C. are experiencing. Sure. I think uh, moving to this area, everybody realizes it's a very transient area and uh, find that it can be a little uh, lonely, even though it is a really populated, busy, happening city. And I think a lot of us are seeking meaningful relationships, something that uh, a group that we can grow with, that can foster us. Um, and studies have shown that the quality of your relationships are directly correlated to the quality of your life. Oh, so absolutely. I think we are all are really seeking those meaningful um relationships and connections. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's a great way to kick us off. Marissa, what uh, what have you found that helps? Yeah, so one thing that our parents have instilled in us with all of our many moves is no matter where you go, always make sure you find a church family because they're going to be there for you through thick and thin. So when I moved here, my sister got me plugged into the Grace community. And something that I've also done on the side is I love using the app Bumble BFF. And the way I use that is just to meet other locals in the area. Um, I've met people who live across the street from me, and now we get to go on daily walks together. So really, for me, moving to this area has helped make this big city seem a little smaller and more of a neighborhood family. 
All right. Bumble BFF. That's great. That's a great suggestion. Thank you, Marissa. Amaya, how about you? Uh, yeah, I second Marisa. Uh, I was looking for the Bumble BFF experience within Grace, trying to connect with other young professionals and try to you know, troubleshoot, problem solve my you know, issues, concerns, and trying to just have a broader sense of community. So I came across the Grace GroupMe app, and through that we we started going once a week for Chipotle lunches. From there, we planned a ski trip. Went to ski trip early this year. From there, we. During the COVID crisis, as we are reopening, we are having a couple of events coming up in uh, this weekend. So this whole group gave me a sense of community, a small group feeling, and I was able to make meaningful connections. I would highly uh, recommend everyone to join in, and uh, we'll see you there for the next event. Oh, that's great. You were looking for the Bumble BFF experience within Grace, and you found it on the Grace Group Me. That's awesome. That's good. All right, Brendan, what would you like to add to that? Yeah, well, I'd say similar to uh, everyone else, I, I came into Grace looking to find that family and community, and, and I really didn't know anyone. And so the first thing that I did was I got plugged into that GroupMe app and started finding events to go to and meet people. And uh, I, I really can't overstate how, how uh, helpful that was. And then beyond that, going to the next level, uh, the Grace groups was where I really started to make deeper connections uh, with a smaller group of people. And get to know them uh, more intimately and, and talk about some more serious things. Uh, and beyond that, I was also able to start serving, uh, you know, whether there's plenty of opportunities out there, you can help set up for uh, service. You can help with the kids, you can help with community outreach. And all of that really helps you continue to meet more people in this uh, grace community and really invest in those relationships and uh, get to have some deeper, more heartfelt um, sense of community. That's awesome. Well, Anamaya is going to finish this out, but before she does, I just want to say it, Grace, we're a hundred percent for young professionals. There are so many amazing young professionals in this city and it's filling up more and more every day with young professionals. And I think you've done a great job of speaking to what I hear all the time, meaningful connections, fun connections, ski trip, eating, spiritual, all of, all of these things. Anna, what can you what can you say at the end of this to drive this home? And I'll just say this in case anybody doesn't know Anna Maya. She's our director of compassion and justice initiatives, but she's on this Zoom because she's such a mover and a shaker amongst young professionals and a major Bon Jovi fan. If you've never met Anna or talked to her, so Anna, please take us home. <laughs> That's true. Bon Jovi rocks. Uh, what I love about this topic is that God actually made us for a relationship. And right at the beginning of time, he said, it's not good for us to be alone. And he gave us the gift of relationships. And I cannot advocate enough for the small groups, uh, for serving at Grace and for the group me experience as well. Because what we used to say in the young professionals group is that our group exists so you don't have to do life by yourself. And that's why we're here. We're all most of us are without a family. We moved here for work and loneliness. It's, it's pretty hard. Uh, it's pretty hard on us and our mental health. And that's why we're here. We are here so we can do life together and we can grow together in a relationship. 
Anna, that's a great way to put it, you know, and this Grace group me at the Bumble BFF experience with the walls of Grace is, uh, is that's really, that's, that's awesome. Uh, we need each other. We need to have fun. We need to eat. We need physical food. We need spiritual food. And we want to do everything we can to facilitate that. So for all the young professionals is watching, uh, we hope that you'll get on the Grace group me or you'll participate in Bumble BFF and maybe meet Marissa. Uh, but you'll get connected because like Anna said, we need each other. Even during COVID, even during this crisis, please, we need each other. We're relational beings. Big round of applause for all of our amazing young professionals on this Zoom. Thank you guys so much for speaking to this today. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, young professionals. I want to double down on what our young pros just uh, shared with us a moment ago. Get on the Grace Group Me app. Become a part of that. We need each other. God built us for relationships. Get involved in a community group. We need each other again, especially during COVID. We need each other. So please take advantage of that. Now, welcome to our kitchen. You're in our kitchen and you're in our kitchen because I want to introduce you to our Instant Pot. From now on, I'll call it Instapot instead of Instant Pot. Instant. This is our Instapot. Uh, if you, do, you, do you have one of these? Have you, have you got one of these Instapots? I went on a website, this pa- a popular website, just to look out. Why, you know, are the Instapots really popular? Why are they so popular? And they gave me 15 things. I'd like to read you five reasons why this is so awesome. Number one says this about it says it'll seriously save you time and energy. Number two, this Instapot right here really is seven appliances in one. Number three, check this one out because it's so popular. You know what they said on this popular website? They said, you want to be cool? You want to be hip? Of course you are. You're already cool and hip. Well, you got to have one of these. Number four, it'll save you time on cleaning dishes. And number five, I can't remember number five. What was number five? Oh, it's just so easy to use. So there's the top five reasons. Now I wasn't going to share any more with you, but I got to share with you number 15. Because number 15 says, this little puppy right here would change your life. I thought, oh my gosh, are we talking about Instapot or Jesus? It'll change your life. Matter of fact, they say, quote, you owe it to yourself and your stressed out brain to get an Instapot. Now that's pretty cool. Now, this Instapot has something very important on it. This is a pressure release valve here on the back. And if this pressure release valve, whoo, man, oh, 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 if that valve isn't working right, things aren't gonna go right. That valve has to be working right. Now, that pressure release valve isn't the only important pressure release valve in your home and in my home. There's also one that's really important, and I want to invite you to my basement to check out another pressure release valve. Let's go. Hey, everybody. I want to introduce you to one of my good friends, Daryl McDonald. Now, I say this all the time. Daryl is one of the smartest persons I've ever met in my life. Don't get him started on biblical history. You go 3,000 years back, he knows everything. But Daryl's also a master plumber. And Daryl's going to talk to us about this valve right here. What is this, Daryl? That is a temperature and pressure relief valve, the most important safety on your water heater, whether it be gas or electric. Okay. What does it do and why is it so important? And how does it prevent problems? It 
when you heat hot water in a heater, every time you heat it, it has it expands, thermal expansion and water pressure. That is there just in case there is excessive water pressure or there is a problem. That valve will open and release and discharge hot water to the floor to a safe point of disposal and prevent a rupture. That heater can actually split, and in worst-case scenario, it, it can explode. That is a very important safety. So if this isn't working right, we got a big problem. A seriously big problem. It can be catastrophic. Okay. Is there anything that people can do to make sure it is working right there? Yes. Uh, simply, you get a licensed plumber to come in and do an evaluation, especially if a heater is, uh, say, five, six, or seven years old. The biggest detriment to all water heater and water systems is the quality of the water. All of those parts can be replaced. All of those parts can be upgraded. But you don't guess. You get a licensed plumber in and have them check it out, and they can replace as needed. Okay, fantastic. Any parting shots you want to tell us about this at all, Daryl? If you see water periodically on the floor, or it leaks, it's functioning properly. It's doing. You have thermal expansion every time you heat water. It's working properly. But when it's consistent, this is when you need to call in a licensed plumber and have them check out your water heater. All right. This is fantastic. Everybody, I thank my friend, Daryl. Thank you for coming in and talking to us about the importance of a properly working, what do you call this? This is a temperature and pressure relief valve, one of three safeties on your water system. There it is, everybody. Thank you so much, Daryl. You have a great day. Happy Sunday. Thank you. Well, we've kind of taken a little tour of our home, been out on the porch with the young professionals, been down in our basement with uh, Big Mac, and now back in the kitchen. Okay, what is this series really all about? This series is not about problem solving. It's about problem prevention. It's about stopping problems before they start. It's about being proactive, not being reactive. That's what this series is about. And today's message, is a, it's the foundation of it. And here's the thing. What Jesus talks to us about today isn't necessarily the thing that grabs the headlines, okay? It doesn't. Our brains, research tells us this, our brains are wired for problem solving. People come from all over the world to the United States of America because our medical system is filled with heroes who are so incredibly talented that they can solve huge medical issues. So people come from all over the world. But our country is not known for a country, medically speaking, that prevents problems. Other countries actually do the prevention work better. What Jesus is interested in here, and we need problem solvers. Problem solving is great. Heroes are great. You know, a lifeguard is awesome. There's an old story, everybody, that's told about that. It's told about two guys. They're standing by the side of a river, And all of a sudden, here comes a child, and the child's drowning and screaming, help, help, help. They dive in, right? They save the kid. Everybody's like, yeah. I mean, that's awesome, right? And then comes another kid and another kid, and they keep saving kid after kid after kid. And finally, one of the adults says, well, he just takes off. And the other guy says, where are you going? More kids. says, I'm going to go upstream and stop the problem before it starts. Now, that's where God wants us to be. Before the pressure, right? reaches an unhealthy level. 
Again, our brains are wired for problem solving, but our brains can be rewired. As Paul says in Romans chapter 12, we can transform our minds. We can rewire our brains. That's what John 8, which we're getting ready to read, is about today. It's about the very foundation. And it's not something that's like, whoa, okay? But without this, it's not going to happen. Now, before I read John 8, 31, 32, I'll tell you one last story that really had a big impact on my life. I have always, always been deeply disturbed about human trafficking. The more I learned about it, the more it disturbed me. So 15 years ago, I began talking to all kinds of organizations about how our church can make a difference. And of course, I started with the organizations that were rescuing people out of it. And it was so horrible to hear the stories of, and it's mainly women and children, who are caught in that terrible, terrible web of human trafficking. And I was talking to a guy one day, and this is what his organization does, rescues people out. And I was sharing with him, you know, just my concern and Oh, it bothers me so deeply. And he stopped. He said, John, look, this is what my organization does. We rescue people out. But if you really, really want to make a difference, if you want to do something great, then what you've got to get involved with is not the rescue side, but the prevention side. We can stop people from falling into the trap of human trafficking before I mean, it's great to rescue people out. It is awesome. But John, God doesn't want us to be wounded so terribly. And we can. So you, if you really want to make a difference, stop the problem before it starts. That God doesn't want people to be wounded like that, hurt and scarred in such a traumatic way. Everybody, that's what this series is about. And that's what today's message is about. And it's not going to make you feel like the all-star lifeguard diving in the water, rescuing, because you're going to be way upstream. And you're going to be venting the problems. You're going to be proactive, not reactive. And today, That's what this message is about. Okay, John chapter eight, verses 31, 32. This is what Jesus says. These are some powerful words. Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay, it'll set you free. You won't be pressed or oppressed, you'll be free. You won't be under pressure and pushed down you'll be free. That is where Christ is leading to. All right, how's that going to happen? If you hold to my teaching, what does the word hold mean? Same thing as mean abide or to continue in or to remain in, to stick to, to focus on, to integrate into the very fiber of your life, into your being, until this is who you become. It's often said that dogs and dog owners, after they're around each other for a long time, they become, they start looking like each other. Now, I hope that's not the case for me, uh, because my wife's, I don't want to look like a lamb. She looks like a little lamb. I, I don't want to look like that. Okay. But, but once you're around and you focus on your with, he says, you'll know the truth. You'll know Christ. Here's the thing, everybody. Jesus, you cannot separate Jesus from his teaching. We often talk about, particularly in church, you need to accept Jesus as Savior. And we think somehow is Jesus a Savior and his teaching is over here. No, no, no. The two are inseparable. Jesus is his teaching. 
So when I accept Christ as Savior, I'm holding, I'm abiding, I'm remaining in his teaching. I'm accepting his teaching. I'm accepting Jesus. It's a package deal. That is the way biblical literature is written. That's what my understanding as I dig into the Bible, that's what it becomes. Now, here's the problem. I like, particularly in the West, the Reader's Digest version of things. Like, if I want to accomplish it, tell me how to do it in three easy steps. One, two, three, boom, I got it, okay? But that's not the way the Bible is written. It's a different type of literature. It's an Eastern literature, a lot of parables, a lot of stories, a lot of discussion. It's wisdom literature in many parts. But Paul was in Antioch, which is west of Israel. And maybe it was the geography that helped. And in Galatians chapter five, he's writing a letter to a church in the city of Galatia. He lists nine things that are the very foundation of Jesus' teaching. They are Jesus. What I'm getting ready to read to you is Jesus. So when you say, Jesus, I want you to be my savior and the Lord of my life, you're saying, I want this to be right into the very fabric of my being. And this is what will release all the pressure in our relationships before it reaches unhealthy levels. So I'd like to read to you Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit that the spirit produces in a person's life is this. And then there it lists the nine things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When I accept Christ as Savior, I'm accepting these nine things. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit, and that's why John talks a lot about the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14 and 16, when I become a follower of Christ, when like last week we had, and we'll do this in a minute again, Pastor Derek said, if you want to accept Christ as Savior, push that button in the chat and raise your hand. When you're doing that, this is what it means. I want these nine things to be a part of my life. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take a look at that list. Just look at it on the screen there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. If those nine things were a part of your life, integrated into your life, if you acted and reacted every day with those nine things, wouldn't they solve most of your problems? Look, tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis devastate our world, right? When that happens and we pray that they don't happen. But the reality is this, all the damage caused by hurricanes and tornadoes and tsunamis, all the damage pales in comparison to human problems caused by human beings making bad choices. Most of the problems in our world are caused by bad decisions that I make because I'm not following these nine things. If you'll stare at those nine things, if you'll make them a part of your life, if you'll look at them, if you'll integrate them in life, won't they solve most of your problems? Won't they solve most of your relationship problems? Like at work or in home, if you and whoever's around you chose those nine things to be a part of the life, wouldn't that solve pretty much all of our problems? It would reduce the pressure in our relationships, in our homes. Think about, I'm reading Washingtonian Magazine, COVID divorces, and I'm all these stories in there. I'm thinking, oh, if the people chose these nine, if they chose Jesus, it would solve it. We wouldn't have this meltdown. Wouldn't have meltdowns at work. Wouldn't have meltdowns at home. This would solve so many problems. When we envision 
So when the Bible says, the Bible says this, fix your eyes on Jesus. Now I've read that verse for years, fix your eyes on Jesus. What exactly does that mean to fix your eyes on Jesus? It means to fix your eyes on Jesus's teaching, on who Jesus is, on these nine things, what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life, right? If we love God, we will follow his ways. These nine things are his ways. These nine things make up all of the foundation of every teaching that Jesus Christ ever gave, and it's the way he lived his life. Now, we know this for a fact. Research tells us this. If you want to do a if you want to do better at a job interview, that you should envision yourself in the interview. What might the interviewer ask? How should you respond? And you work your way through it. We know this. If you want to putt better, that you should envision yourself. I know I played a lot of basketball, was on a lot of basketball teams, and the coach would tell us all the time, you need to envision yourself when you're shooting a free throw of you doing it right and the ball going through the hoop. We know this for a fact. When you envision and you work through in your mind before you get to that situation, you will do better at it. So if you're fixing your eyes on Jesus, it means you're fixing your eyes on these nine things. If you see, okay, when I'm in this situation, I'm going to act loving. A lot of times I act impatient, but when I'm in this certain situation, I'm going to act patient. When I'm at home and I'm all alone, I have a tendency to act out of control, I'm going to act in control. And I envision, I fix my eyes on Jesus. How would Jesus act? What would Jesus do? He would act in a loving, patient, kind, joyful way. When I get in a situation and I act without joy, I'm grumpy or I'm selfish or whatever. Instead, I act with joy and I lift up. I envision, I fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. I hold to his teeth. I integrate them into my very life. We look at Jesus and so many stories about Jesus Christ. When he was confronted by people who insulted him, he did not insult back, which just throws more pressure on the fire, right? It just, when he was confronted with injustice, he forgave. When Peter, his lead disciple, denies him and betrays him, he reinstates him. When the disciples at the Last Supper are acting radically insensitive to Jesus, who's about ready to die, rather than taking notice of what he's going through, they act incredibly insensitive. How does he respond? He gets down and serves them. He washes their feet. When Jesus is confronted with selfishness, he serves. With injustice, he forgives. When you fix your eyes on Jesus and you begin to think about how, and you're just seeing that, okay, this is what I'm gonna do, these nine things. It'll radically change your life and change my life. It'll radically change your relationship, change my relationship. Now, it's the very foundation. And I know it's not on the same level because our brains are so wired, as I said earlier, right? They're wired to solve problems. We're wired to like, I'm gonna be the hero. I'm gonna be the lifeguard. I'm gonna jump into the water and I'm gonna rescue people. But we can rewire our brains. We can transform our thinking, Romans chapter 12, and we can get involved in the prevention side because God doesn't want you going through all the pain and suffering that you're experiencing in your relationships. He wants his teaching to be a part of your life. We can rewire, we can rewire our brains. Look, you don't invite people over to your home to say, I want you to see the foundation of my house. You don't do that. You don't invite people over to your home and say, look, and here's the closet where our hot water heater is. 
You don't do that. But we love hot water, and if the foundation isn't right, nothing is right. I remember a time in Krista in my life, we were uh, living we were living in, in, in college. We had apartments at our, our college, and they often did not have hot water. It felt like actually they were you know, running the water through some kind of ice or something to make it as cold as possible. Because when it came out of the faucet, it was like ice spears launching into my head. I think my head is still damaged from that. We love hot water. When it's not working, we're miserable. But you don't, you don't bring people over for that. You bring people and says, look at my brand new front door. Look at these gorgeous cabinets. You do that kind of stuff. But the teaching of Jesus Christ, these nine things, this is where it's at. Just like that guy told me about human trafficking. John, if you want to get involved and where it's really at, get involved in the prevention side. And these nine things will prevent. Envision yourself. Fix your eyes on Jesus. See yourself acting and reacting in that way. Now, I mentioned this just a few moments ago. Maybe this is the first time that it has become clear. Maybe God has prompted you and I, Oh, now I understand. This is what it means to be saved. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We often get caught up in things the Bible doesn't want us to get caught up in, having discussions and over and over again about things the Bible is like, no, get over here to where the real action is. This is where it is fixing our eyes on these nine because those are Jesus. Can't you see by accepting Jesus Christ as Savior, accepting his nine foundational teachings, accepting who he is will radically change your life, my life, and the entire world? Won't you consider raising your hand in the chat right now and accepting Christ as Savior and having your life transformed and reducing the pressure before it starts, being proactive, not reactive, avoiding problems, integrating that into your life. Would you consider if you've never done that before, raising your hand now and say, yes, I can see that this is the answer. This is the way that will work. Now, if you click the next button, after you click to raise your hand, it says connect with us. If you do that, there is a really great book that has helped me so much to understand the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I would love to send that book to you if you'll give us your information. I want to conclude with a story. It's a really great story. It's a true story. It's about a bicycle company. This bike company had a big problem. Now, they were the kind of company that they didn't have storefronts, right? They, they shipped their bikes to customers. The problem was this. They were having a lot of damaged bikes. They would mail the bikes out, you know, in the bicycle box, and it was getting damaged, and it was cutting into their bottom line, and customers were calling all the time. So it was a lot of demand. It was taking time, energy, money. You know, this is a big headache. Now, if they wanted to be reactive, what would they do? They go down to their shipping department, maybe yell and scream at the people in the shipping department and say, we've had 500 bikes damaged this past month or whatever. Or they could get the UPS driver and yell and scream at the UPS driver, which I don't recommend because I used to be a UPS driver and that is not a good thing to do. They could put a lot of money into buying better shipping materials or they could be proactive and they get all the major players together. So, you know what? We got to have, we got to come up with a clear plan. Old saying. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? That's why I want you to plan on envisioning yourself with these nine things 
all of this series and let it change your life. And so they get everybody together, get all the players together. They come up with a clear plan. They talk and they talk and they talk and they think and they think and they think and they discuss because anytime you're being proactive, it takes lots of meetings. We'll talk about that more throughout this series. They even bring in the box, the bicycle box, and they stare at it. This is the problem. What are we going to do about this problem? They stare at the box, stare at the box. Finally, someone says, what if we put the image of a flat screen TV on the side of the box? Bingo. 80% of their problems just disappeared because they went upstream, because they went proactive, because they went on the prevention side, not the problem solving side. I went on the problem prevention side. 80% of their headaches disappeared. What if 80% of your headaches disappeared? What if 80% of your headaches in your relationships disappeared? They can. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Make these nine things from the life of Jesus Christ, the very foundation of his life, a part of your life. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Stare at them, just like they stared at that box. Stare at them. Fix your eyes on them. See yourself acting and reacting in those nine ways. It'll transform your life. It'll transform your relationships. It'll bring the pressure down to healthy levels. I pray that's the case for you now. I want to end with this prayer. I'm actually, after I pray for all of us, I want to pronounce a blessing straight out of the Bible. It's straight scripture. This is amazing. This is amazing. I actually didn't know this till recently. Numbers chapter six, verses 24 to 26, God says to the religious leaders, the priests, I want you to bless my people with this prayer. And the prayer concludes with peace, not pressure, peace. Now, here's the amazing thing that I actually didn't know till recently. The oldest fragment of the Bible that we have, thousands and thousands of years old, the oldest fragment that we've ever found is Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 26. The great blessing. Ah, this is just amazing to me. Like God's saying of the oldest piece of the fragment you ever find, I just want you to know that I want to bless you. I want my favor. I want my face. I want peace to be upon you. So that's how I'm going to end this week and every week. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for those today who finally, they're like, oh, yes, I get it. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what it means to be saved, to be a disciple. I want to accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. Bless all those today who have made that incredible decision. And for all of us this week and for the next eight weeks, may we integrate, Jesus, your teaching into our life that the pressure would be just radically reduced. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace, both now and forevermore, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.